Football season is up. Pete Sweeney will join us just a minute. The Chargers make the playoffs last night. See him interview Herbert after the game. He was in no mood. I mean, he has no touchdowns the last two games and three picks. Not exactly steamrolling right in the playoffs, but there they are. There is a lot of garbage. Not only in the division winners in the NFL, but the teams trying to get into the postseason. How about the Jags? The Jags are in first place right now. All these teams are in the playoffs, and they don't even have a 500 record. I mean, it's unbelievable what's gone on with the National Football League and some of these records and division leaders. Like the Jaguars lead the division 7-8. and eight. The Titans, which are going backwards, are 7-8. Jags have the Titans in Jacksonville uh, to finish out the season. That is going to be your division winner, in my opinion, Jacksonville Jaguars. And it is unbelievable because they got at Houston, then Tennessee, and the Jags in the playoffs would be just outstanding. But I cannot wait for the NFL tournament. That is, but there's a lot of bad teams vying for There's going to be some bad teams in the playoffs this year because some of these divisions are absolutely terrible. AFC, NFC South, to name a couple. Uh, Kramer, I got a uh, text from my dude, uh, Craig Greco, that does uh, Greco Paintworks. You got to see these shoes. He did Christmas shoes for like Clark Hunt. He's the, he's a shoe painter. Ooh, he because he, these guys a lot of times get their cleats, their white Nikes, and they you know they paint them up. When you see these fancy, shoes, you can't go buy them. They're they're painted, and you got to find someone like Butker. He's done him in the past, but this year, like my cause, my cleats. He did George Karloftis. Yeah, some Those of that blue and yellow ones. Sweet, oh my yeah, gosh! They, yes. all, they made the news and everything else. They're showing them, um, but this guy just I went and watched him paint that uh, Rangers bat. Yeah, it's sick. It, it was sick, wasn't it? Oh, I went man. and watched him do that. But he did Jack Cochran shoes, like American flag theme for my cause and my cleats. And he did like a hamburger, a McDonald's thing for the McDonald, Ronald McDonald House for Sky Moore. But he did these these shoes for Clark Kant. And and what would you put if, you, if you're designing Chief shoes? What are, the, what are the main things? Of course, you put a picture of his dad on there. Got to put Lamar on there. Got to put the AFC logo, maybe the original American Football Conference logo. And you need two plays, 65 toss power trap and jet chip, chip wasp. Those are the two plays you need. And guess what? Those two two plays are on these shoes. Dude, that's sick. I'll show you a picture. Of I, I, a picture. I need to see this. Yeah, but this guy, I mean, this is, I, I can't even draw. Like, honestly, I can't. I can't imagine how um, he does this stuff. He does it right there from his garage. You know, he paints all these shoes. Down the National Football League, Stephanie Mountain, everything else. This guy, I like to see somebody start and then just like keep going and going and going. You know what I'm saying? And then eventually you and I are working for him. You know, that's how it works. That's how, yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles. That is how the cookie crumbles. But anyway, the, the shoe painting business is big in the National Football League. Um, <laughs> 913, bigger failure. Chargers playoff stints are flying during the holidays in 2022. I got to think, I got to think flying's bad. And I don't know how long the line is at KCI right now. But last night on the news, it looked a couple hundred people deep. They're interviewing people saying, I don't know how they're even get on this plane. 65% cancellations on Southwest. What a freaking disaster, man. It's the holiday season, too. So that's that's even worse. Like, people want to travel in to see family or people are trying to leave to get away from their family. I mean, like, it, it's terrible. And how many people that were in line have, like, broken pipes at home and they don't even realize it? Oh, yeah, you know they didn't drip their water. Like, they, you know their faucet isn't, like, hey, They're dripping. flying out. They don't care. Whatever. They're standing in line, a couple hundred people, and yet back at their house, it's like a, they're going to walk into some surprises. 
It's gonna be uh, an ice uh, an ice globe, practically. When in doubt, get in your car. Gas prices are down, and drive. I love to drive. I mean, it only takes what five, ten minutes to heat your car up around this cold. So I mean, yeah, you you'll be cold a little bit. I prefer you'll be to fly, but there's nothing wrong with just driving. You know. I mean, if you're waiting two to three to four days to get a flight out of here or into here, you're might as well just drive and eat the the hours you need to drive. Better so, just I mean, pack fine. up and throw this stuff in your car, man. Heck, get a good podcast to listen to, listen to us or something. Uh, get your uh, get you going on. So I mean, heck, there's there's ways to move around this. Seven hour drive, cream dog to Memphis. You going from KC? No, I will not be going to the. Jayhawks bowl game. I'm shocked. Why? Well, you're just a big football guy, Bing. I'm not a Jayhawk guy, though. I know you're a football guy. Yeah. Good text, though, by the way. Come up next, the editor in chief, arrowheadpride.com, Pete Sweeney. Festo in the morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967. Please listen to our friend and all pro defensive tackle, Chris Jones. Wake up with Festo in the morning, starting at 6 on 610 Sports Radio. And always live on the Odyssey app. Who's calling? I think it might be Pete. Pete, sweetie. Arrowhead Pride, editor in chief. Pete Sweeney brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of 610 Sports Radio. Pete, hope you had a good Christmas. Yes, I, I hope you did uh, as well. It's it's good to be through Christmas, and now we got the, the final two weeks of the NFL season here before the playoffs. I actually didn't have a good Christmas, Pete, because I have uh, had, a, had, had a flood problem. Uh, I just heard from your dad, by the way. He texted me, give shout out to Big Pete, the real Pete Sweeney. He got in at 1 a.m. because I was talking about flights delayed in Kansas City. He was delayed five hours. Yeah, not good. We were happy that they were able to get out, my parents. But, uh, yeah, they were they were victims of a, a little bit of a delay, unfortunately. Pete, one thing that wasn't delayed was this Kansas City Chiefs uh, game against the Seahawks. I'm not going to say they put a, together a full game because offensively a lot of three and outs. Um, they scored enough points to win the game, obviously. But the tackling I thought was better. Um, the penalties were going more towards the Seahawks at the beginning of the game. Um, but other than that, they needed to correct some of those issues and the issues that need to be corrected. And I felt they did. Yeah. I think the thing we we've been missing these past couple of weeks where there was a panic mode in Kansas city was just the fact, okay, you're playing close games against teams. You're, you're better than, and a lot of that I think just came from not playing clean football. Like I, I don't, the offense was particularly perfect in, in this game against the Seahawks, but because you're winning the turnover battle, you're not turning the football over yourself. You're playing, you're you're tackling a lot better. A team that has been pretty good offensively this year, um, yeah, not everything was perfect, but the game was never really out of control. You were never thinking, okay, the Chiefs were going to lose this football game, and I think that's the difference. That what what happens with clean football? You know, this team if they can tackle well if they can not turn the football over it's going to be rare for them to feel like they're out of control and, and could lose the game against any team and i you know i think you, you saw that really good positive step for the defense um the offense is still working out the kinks and you know if there's ever a side that you want to see before the playoffs i think it's the defensive side 
the offense will be there. I mean, this is the thing that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they always kick it into gear once the, the playoffs begin. Um, I think you'll, you'll see some positive steps on that side as we go here. But I, I just think a, a, a calm down game in a way where you finally saw the, the defense play well and, and clean football, which I thought was the most important. Yeah, you mentioned a turnover battle. The Seahawks had one turnover. Chiefs had none. But I think one thing that was really big in this game, third down efficiency, Seahawks are just 2 of 14. And the other thing, Pete, that you like to see, because it's Cleet Blakeman. And I know a lot of people are worried about him like Cheffers. They're worried about Cleet calling this game. Five penalties, 39 yards. And let, let's face it, that okay, that, that's not bad. You'll take that any day. But at the beginning of the game, all these calls are going against the Seahawks. Right. And, and that's, I, I think, Sometimes the difference as well is, is the penalties. Like the, not only is the turnovers, it's, it's the penalties. And you saw the, the Chiefs taking advantage of the Seahawks getting penalized, and it, and it felt opposite for a change. And I think you'd like to see uh, that type of thing moving forward. I just I liked in this game that there were just less penalties in general, too. I mean, um, you know, we talked about Carl Sheffers and how he calls penalties against the Chiefs, and it's true, but he, he just, they just call a lot of penalties in general. And I thought the flow of the game was better. It just felt like a little bit more of an entertaining game to watch than one that was flag-filled. And, and so I just think it's a good thing moving forward. goes into the clean football thing. If the Chiefs are playing clean football, it's really hard to beat them. Anything you're particularly looking for the rest of the season? I know these games you know, don't stand out on paper and jump at you. They will be a couple divisional games where Andy Reid is 14-6 against this division since 2015. He obviously holds a stranglehold over the Denver Broncos and the Raiders in Las Vegas, anything that can be gleaned from these two games? I know Denver in a situation with a new head coach, that defense is still legit for the Denver Broncos, but anything particular you're looking for in this Denver game, is it good the Chiefs still have something to play for in the first round by? I think so. I think so. And I think they have a grand opportunity this week. That Buffalo and, and Bengals game can go in either way. I mean, that's a coin flip game. So when you have a coin flip game, uh, and, and one where you need the coin to, to be on your side of it, uh, you have a, a, just an opportunity to, to go and, and retake this thing at the, at the last second. I think that's huge. I think the fact that Denver played them tough last time is good. Uh, I think the fact that Denver's going to have a little bit of a boosted energy from having an interim head coach is good. Um, I think the Chiefs coming off a game in which they have played a little bit more of a, a clean game and you can see the difference. Now you get an opportunity to, to play the Broncos and, and do that and see the difference um, is good. And I, the one thing that, that I think I'm looking at right now, especially with the offense getting into the sludge a little bit in the middle of the game the other day is the status of McCole Hardman. We're, we're still waiting to see if McCole Hardman will be back in the mix. I just think it's going to be not, you can't you can't say it's going to be this massive boost, but I just think it's another weapon for Andy Reid to to have there. Uh, and I think you over these last six or seven weeks without McColl gained a little bit more of an appreciation for what he brings to the table. And I think getting him back in the mix and getting him some reps heading into the playoffs would would certainly be a good thing. And and that's the thing too. You know, as you mentioned, it, it's lesser teams in the AFC West. You should beat these teams. But with Buffalo having to play two tough games, one against the Bengals and then one against the Patriots, and you never know, um, you have a lot to play for. I mean, this could be a, a playoff win if things go your way. So we'll see what ends up happening. But I, I just think it's good uh, that the Chiefs have to keep their foot on the gas, so to speak. Um, are you expecting Hardman back this week? We thought he'd be back last week, and then there was a, a shift. Uh, toward the end of the week where he just was not completely comfortable. So I, I think he was. 
knocking on the door as far as his health um, uh, last week. And I, if, if I'm guessing, and it's very early here, we'll see about the first uh, injury report and the report from Andy um, you know, when we, when we get there on, on Wednesday. I would tend to think he would be eased back in this week, kind of what you saw with Kadarius where he got 10 or so snaps. Um, but again, it, it's a little bit unpredictable. And I had mentioned this when we, uh, we found out what was going on with him uh, because it wasn't really this classic injury. It was more like this illness, that something that was causing him to lose weight. Uh, we weren't going to be completely sure of when he would be back in the mix and kind of gone that way, unfortunately. So I tend to think so, but it's a little bit more unpredictable than than your average injury just because of the weight loss with his abdomen. Does that make everything look uh, crazier considering, you know, losing Hill? Hardman hadn't played for you a bunch this year. So you take out really your top two speed guys on offense, and yet in every category they essentially lead. Uh, I don't know what this says about Andy Reid, the consistency of winning seven straight division titles, but it's like addition by subtraction. Well, I think we've just seen – over the years, if you're you know you're a diehard football fan, you know Andy Reid had a lot of different teams in Philadelphia. Uh, one with Donovan McNabb was able to win with Michael Vick later. Then you saw it in Kansas City a little bit where um, Alex Smith was here, and they said let's go dial back to his Utah days and see what was working, and, and sort of really I think leaned into the RPO, and you saw the rest of the league kind of do that. And now with Patrick Mahomes, the offense was a little bit different when you had Tyree Kill and his ability to stretch the field. Now it's a little bit more methodical, but you're still getting the results as far as yardage and points and, and whatnot. And I, I think that is a credit to Andy Reid, and, and that's a, a lesson I think to all offensive coaches across the league is you build your offense, you draw up your offense based upon who you have, not the other way around where you're trying to you know force certain puzzle pieces where they don't fit. And I, I think you're seeing that this year. Um, you know, you don't have Tyree Kill anymore. MBS is all right, but it's just a, a different dynamic with Hill. And so you're seeing the Chiefs play a little bit more in the intermediate and, and work their way down the field in that fashion. Yet, you know, the, the deep passes are, are few and far between, but you're seeing success and you're seeing a lot of first downs. And that's why the stats are still there. That's why the wins are still there. And, and that's a credit to Andy Reid and why, you know, he is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. What are you expecting from Kadarius, Tony? I know that one catch for eight yards did get a touchdown. That was ridiculous, the moves he makes with the ball in his hands. Like yards after catch, that is Tony's deal. And with him paired with Hardman on the field at the same time, I could expect big things. I, I was a little bit disappointed in Justin Watson dropping a couple passes. It's not something he usually does. But, man, Kadarius Tony showed flashes on that one catch. I mean, the guy was – this guy could be really elusive for this offense, if healthy. Yeah, I think you saw in his debut back, his, his re-debut, if you will, in the punt return – I think in return game, he's got a little X factor to him. It's not really Tyreek where he's going to blaze you with his speed, but the, the shimmy and shake and sort of running around to, to gain yardage, it just reminds you a little bit of Hall. And I, I think he's even been a little bit faster when he, when he gets going. Uh, so we'll see what he can do in the return game. I, I think it would be such an advantage if the Chiefs can get a, get a real threat back there again and not have to really sacrifice everything on offense. And then on offense, when he does have the ball in his hands, he's pretty exciting. And so, I think they're being really careful still right now with that hamstring injury. I think they want to make sure that he's all right. But once he is, it's just a, another dynamic of, of speed. And you're seeing what can happen in the backfield. If, if you have Tony moving left and right, you see that second level of defense where they may shift one way, and he's just as effective as a, as a decoy because it opens things up for a guy like Travis Kelsey or, or Jarek McKinnon. And so – just that speed element, Hardman as well. Um, it just it adds an, another dynamic, and it it keeps the defense honest. 
in a sense. So it, you know, you get the ball in his hands, crazy things can happen, but it also opens things up for, for other guys. Pete, Mr. Steele, your girlfriend, Blake Bell is back. Look out, buddy. Look out. This is your third down, uh, this is your third down back from the quarterback position. That's right. And uh, the Chiefs are happy to have him back. We know that, that they don't really like to risk Pat, Patrick Mahomes' kneecaps, and, and how could you blame them for that? And so you get Bell back in the mix there. Noah had a few opportunities to, to do that, but uh, that is that is the, the belldozer the, the, the bell quarterback sneak um, that I, I think is the offensive <laughs> thing. And really just the blocking ability. Yeah. I mean, Jay, you know this, but yeah. that, that hidden game of, yeah. of opening up lanes and, and whatnot. It's good to have Blake Bell back in the mix. Talking to the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, for just a couple more minutes. Looking around the AFC West, Pete, you did mention – we talked about the Broncos who did fire their special teams coach, their offensive line coach. Um, a, a guy, a senior assistant named Jay Rosberg has been named the interim coach this week. I know there's a lot of infighting with Denver. I'm usually in, in favor of keeping your coach because it's good for tanking draft purposes, but it doesn't matter because Seattle has their early pick. Later they have San Francisco, so it's going to be a terrible pick. But the Seattle has theirs. Are you a little bit surprised they went scorched earth on their coaching staff? I think this early, yeah, but I also think that um, when you have the rumblings of Sean Payton and, and Vic Fangio out there trying to form the super staff, um, and you, you know sometimes you want to leg up and you want to see if if you can get that coach. I know that he's going to be very attractive to a lot of people. It adds a little bit of a different wrinkle with Fangio being the defensive coordinator and having been let go by Denver, but. Weirder things have happened in the NFL where you're able to work things out and, and see if it works uh, again in, in a different role. And I, I just I think it gives Denver a leg up. The problem that they're having right now is it, it's, it's the, the coach is not the biggest problem. It's the quarterback. And you're locked into the quarterback for four more years. So I, I think they got to look themselves in the mirror and say, are we willing to take the biggest loss and eat the biggest loss in NFL history? I think if he's quarterbacking your team, I mean, you could have, uh, you know, the ghost of Vince Lombardi coaching your team. I, I don't think that team's going to the playoffs. And so it's just how honest are they willing to be with themselves? I tend to think they got to give Russ one more year. That dead cap head, I believe it's over $100 million would be for 2023. So they got to try at least once more with a different staff. But I think by the end of 2023, they'll realize we just got to cut our losses and have three years of the most embarrassing quarterback contract in NFL history and then try to figure it out. Um, man, it, for those six years where you're dealing with Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon, it really felt like it couldn't get worse. But this is uh, as bad as it could possibly be as far as situations in the NFL. And I think that's going to make it hard to recruit as coach as well. And then I, I think from a Kansas City standpoint, really quickly, like, I don't want to see Eric Bieniemy go there, not because it's an AFC West team, just because you are just set up to fail. And I know it's taken a long time for him to get an opportunity, but he was the pick, and I, I just hope that he would, would be smart enough not to, not to go there. Yeah, but it is a head coaching job, Pete. One of 32, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. You saw what happened with uh, the old friend of ours, the wide receivers coach. His name's escaping me, but he went to Houston uh, for a year, and oh, now he's not in the NFL. Cully, David Cully, there you go. Yeah, now he's out of the NFL at all. So at least you can put on your resume, though. Head. NFL head coach, put on your <laughs> resume, right? Hey, I mean, Jay, if, look, if you want to go to Denver, I'm sure they would take you. I, I'd be a head coach, man. Why, why not? And uh, another, well, <laughs> we that team is, I mean, with, with Wilson, I don't look for the Broncos to be competing anytime since. I'm thinking about the offseason when, when, when the pundits pick teams from the AFC West. 
One of those is going to be the Chargers, who do make the playoffs last night. You and I have been going back and forth. I've been laughing about Herbert not being in the playoffs. You have staunchly defended him, Pete. He has, <laughs> he has thrown no touchdown passes in the last two weeks and three interceptions, limping into the playoffs, but people will pick them next year. Does Brandon Staley still keep his job despite making the playoffs? I think one of the bad things for the Chargers long-term was the fact that they made a postseason. You know, I, I think it's it's making the postseason despite Brandon Staley, and it, I think he ends up keeping it, yeah, for at least another year. I, I think the goal had to be this year was making the postseason. He'll even, you know, keep keep his job or, or have a reason to keep his job even further if they're able to pull off what would be I think they, I think they probably may, may be favored if they were to get the Jaguars. And it would have to be an upset, of course, if they had to play the Bengals or the Bills as the third seed, um, or perhaps even the Chiefs if things went really crazy. But um, I, I do think they keep end up keeping Staley uh, in that role just because they they were able to do it. Um, and I, you know, I tend to think that's a mistake. I think it's largely been un- unsuccessful. And you're right, it, it hasn't really been an exclamation point making the playoffs for them. It, it's kind of limping in. So. Uh, I tend to think he would keep it, but I would feel really a lot better about that if they were able to get a win on wildcard weekends. It was kind of bizarre, their reaction. Kind of bizarre, their reaction. All right, Pete, I'll ask you this again because I ask you all the time. Right answers only. Right answers only. Burrow or Herbert? Who are you taking? (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see. If Joe Burrow Burrow goes and beats Buffalo, then I I think he's got a a really good case. Uh, If the way that it plays out, stays the same we, we're going to get Burrow versus Herbert and then we'll see uh, in, in the playoffs on the field we won't have to talk about it anymore so you'll admit it if he beats Josh Allen you're ready to, to crown him I think I think he would be a better foe for Mahomes than Herbert yeah I think that I think that would be fair he should and you know what if Cincinnati's legitimate right they're at home they're in the prime time they should win this game against Buffalo if they're legit so no question Pete Sweeney editor-in-chief arrowheadpride.com of course cream dog with me here this morning, also does some fun stuff with Arrowhead Pride, including those weekly simulations. Would you like to say anything to Kramer, Pete, while you got a chance? Well, that's a good that's a good thought. Maybe we should be doing a Buffalo-Cincinnati Madden sim. Oh, well. I like that. That's it's, the big hey, game. If you want me to, I got you. Oh. <laughs> Maybe a shorter one for, for the, the, game, the other game, but yes. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea, Pete. This is a good idea. I'll get right on top of that. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I'll see you guys. All right, Pete. Take care. There you go, Pete Sweeney, editor in chief. So you're going to get on top of that. You're going to get on top of that, Madden Sim. I'm not going to be on anything. I'm going to be on top of making sure you do it. All right, I got you. I'll I'll make like a five minute quarter once. I'm not doing a full fifteen. No, no. Well, do we just play it out? You don't have to give the, uh, you know, I don't show video over anything. Sim it. Just tell us who won. All right, I got you. I got you. Honestly, you should probably sim it. I know these things that these supercomputers will sim something like what a couple hundred thousand times. If you just simmed it like ten times. Honestly, bear with me on this idea. You let it play out 10 times. And then you tell us six and four, seven and three. Since they tell us in a 10 game stretch in Cincinnati, how many times the Bengals would win? Give us a 10 teams, a 10 game sample size. I will do that today then. Well, you don't have to, I mean, you have to do details. I mean, it won't take any time. Oh, you know, no, exactly. It'll take me about 20 minutes. But I want to know who wins 10 games between Buffalo and Cincinnati and Cincinnati. All right, I'm writing that down now. All right, 10 games, Buffalo-Cincinnati. Gotcha. And we could talk about it this week. All right, we can talk about we'll, it tomorrow if you want to. We'll Already probably be talking about this game because this game does matter for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Monday Night Football. It's actually a good game to watch on Monday night because it's been feast or famine on Thursday and Monday night, although Monday night can start 
flexing. Coming up now, next, we'll uh, take a look at uh, some burning questions in the National Football League, and I might, might bring out a mock draft. Fesco in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967. Don't miss former Chiefs linebacker Derek Johnson every Monday at 7.30. Man, I start smiling when you talk about Kansas City fan base. This fan base, I mean, compared to none, this is, this is number one for sure. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Fesco in the morning, Jay Binkley, Kramer Sansone, the Crane Dog here all week for you. Dana News, color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, joins us at 8.30. You're more than welcome to chime in as well. 913-586-7610. Jay Southland, tow service, text line, same number, 913-586-7610. So you're okay with uh, that simulation, Kramer? Oh, it sounds like a good plan. It, it does. So it's going to be... The biggest matchup this week. You know what that game is the icing on the cake? Whether you're in Kansas and, uh, you know, bet on these games or just like to enjoy football, to have college football bowl season, the playoffs, get great NFL games Sunday, then to cap it off, you get Monday night, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Which there will be a lot of people going for the Bengals, but isn't it kind of weird, though? I mean, yes, you need Buffalo to lose so you can get home field advantage, but you got to take care of your own business, which the Chiefs, very good against this division, 14-6 since 15 against this division. Two division opponents left, one of them at home. And then, of course, you called it, what, uh, Arrowhead West in Las Vegas? Yes, it's Arrowhead West. Because they play better here than they do there against the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. So Arrowhead West will be the Chiefs. Take care of business. Not let Cincinnati, because Cincinnati's going to start feeling themselves. They already are. But if they beat Buffalo, they're really going to be feeling themselves. It's going to be rough because Collins is going to be hurt. No, he is hurt. He, I think he suffered like a, a knee injury. So, I mean, that's uh, the protection uh, for Burrow is still going to be thin. No, it's going to be thin. I mean, it's always but thin. But that line, they, line, they tried to upgrade it this year. You know, Loyola Collins, he's hurt, by the way. That's the one I just mentioned. Yeah, it was what I was saying. He's hurt, but they bring in, uh, they brought in a new offensive line, essentially. I mean, yeah, this is an overhaul from last year. And they're still essentially in the same place. Yeah, yeah, the, the same place, and the Chiefs can't go around them to sack Joe Burrow. Last year, they gave up the same amount. This year, they go out, bring in Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and, of course, Lowell Collins. But still, those wide receivers do present a problem because of the physicality of them. They have really good wide receivers. They have, like, literally two wide receiver ones on that team. Maybe it, three. It, it's it, Of course, they got three, and then, of course, two good backs. Well, I mean, like, one right, wide receivers, one just for, like, every single team in the NFL, they have at least three of them on their team. No, that's what the way they are. Remember, yeah, it's, it's remember you and I arguing about uh, when the, you were doing a draft special with me on draft night, you and I were arguing about uh, oh, the Jamar Chase should thing. you take Jamar Chase or not? Yeah, because I thought they should get Panay Sewell, but they ended up going Jamar Chase. Which they made the right decision. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but, any, any move, Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase, I mean, either one works. It's like Mike Williams with the Chargers. Like, yeah, true. Like Good they point. did everything they could against the Chiefs. They were they were moving the ball against the Chiefs in that first half. Last time they played them, Mike Williams is a big part of it because the Chiefs had the respect, you know, his ability, big physical receiver, double coverage, you name it. But he leaves the game with injury, and guess what? They pin their ears back in five sacks, getting to the quarterback. This team has been able to get to the quarterback. That's the other kind of false thing, false narrative about the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They end up with the, just two sacks. On the day, but how about how about Karloftis and his impact with this team? 
He's making a huge impact with Kansas City Chiefs defense. I think he helps. I mean, granted, for a late first round draft pick, he's helping a lot on that edge rush. Like it, it's 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 ridiculous how much you pay Frank Clark. And you're not getting the production that you would want to yeah, see from him. But, but, but Frank yeah, George Karloftis is like a stud. But Frank puts some pressure on when he wants to and stuff like that. Like, like I'm okay with Frank's production. Yeah, I mean, if that's how you if you like that, then that's that's good for you. But I know there's a lot of people not. But George Karloftis, that's a huge upside to where you can forget about. Frank Clark. George Karloft is the mainstay. Well, you know, funny thing is they have 45 sacks on the year. That is fourth in the NFL. That is more sacks than the Ravens, the Niners, the Bucks. When you think about defense, it's getting a lot of credit. Chiefs already have, what, 13 more sacks than they did all of last season. No, they're, they're applying a lot of pressure to the quarterback. It's just whether or not they can apply that pressure when the moment is right, when they need it the most. A la Cincinnati game. Yes. Now, if they can, they need to... Make sure they can get that five, Actually, four sacks. sacks or like three sacks a game. If they can get to that, say they even pressure Joe Burrow if that ever happens again. Say there's another rematch of the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and Chiefs. They need to figure out a way to get to the quarterback no matter what. Any team, honestly. Oh, of course, but I think the big physical receivers having a young secondary, they're a little more cautious about it. But I will say True. this, to have 14 more sacks this year than last year when that was the biggest burning question, about this defense, can you get to the quarterback? Can you disrupt them? Can you make them feel uncomfortable? I thought I did that to Gino. Again, it's not all about the sacks, about the pressure, about making the quarterback you know squeeze out of the pocket and not used to doing it for certain quarterbacks. Like Mahomes is still good, even if you squeeze him out of the pocket. He's still going to come through and deliver for this football team every single time. Uh, the latest mock draft, Kramer, you and I do like mock drafts, don't we? Oh, of course. And, of course, we don't know how things are going to finish up. But if the Texans pick first, they're putting – CBS just put this one out. Bryce Young, Jalen Carter, pick two for the Bears. Will Anderson, the pass rush from Alabama, the third pick. And I like to caution people because Derek Thomas, you know, he was uh, later in the draft too, what, fourth pick in the, in the draft that year. Will Anderson, I think, could have – I'm not saying he's Derek Thomas, but he can have a big pass rushing impact. But nobody's Derek Thomas. Still my favorite chief. But that draft in 89, Kramer, how ridiculous is this? Four of the, of the first five picks are in the Hall of Fame. Trachman was the first overall. Then Tony Mandritz for the, for the Packers. It's like, you know, like Apple, Orange, Banana, Volkswagen. Which one doesn't belong, right? Tony Mandritz. Then Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, Deion Sanders. Four of top five picks in the Hall of Fame. Loaded. It's 100% loaded. But they have uh, Bryce Young going first, and I 100% agree with that. I'm 100% uh, with that. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio, KCSP Kansas City, WDAF, HD2 Liberty, and Odyssey Station. The Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, and by the way, they had Will Levis going uh, round one pick five to the Colts. I've seen Will Levis play a ton of times. Is there anything that jumps out for the Kentucky quarterback says that's a franchise guy, he's going to kill the National Football League? Like, I don't see it, man. He's rocked up, that's fine, but is is he the difference? But that's the thing about this draft. C.J. Stroud, eighth pick, round one, pick eight. It's like that year that Justin Fields went out. Everybody was scared, and everybody went, well, Trevor Lawrence went first, which he's a viable quarterback. But then, like, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson go before Justin Fields. And I know that some people have big problems with Ohio State quarterbacks. Yeah, me. But I think Justin Fields is uh, breaking that uh, mold. 
I, we'll see what happens. This is his third year or second year in the league. We'll see what year three is. Year three is a big, big year for usually rookie quarterbacks that start year one. Interesting. They had Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee, going pick 27 to the Cowboys. They have the Chiefs actually picking 29. We all hope it's later than that. They have Darnell Washington, the tight end for Georgia. They're, Brock Bowers is the best player on the Georgia team at tight end. And I get it, Darnell Washington blocks a little bit more. But no, the Chiefs aren't taking the second tight end at Georgia. They're not taking him in the draft at the end. That's a wasted pick if they did that, I feel like. If you're sitting here like, what do you want to draft first for the Chiefs? 913-586-7610, Jay Southland, Toe Service Text Line. We going wide receiver, which I'd be okay with. Because you're probably going to lose Juju unless you pony up. Because Juju is going to be one of the best receivers out there. To me, I compare him to Christian Kirk, about the same size, same age. Christian Kirk got that monster contract. Juju's production is better. MBS will still be here, but do you really want to go through with MBS? Sky Moore, has Sky Moore shown you enough to where you can say this can be a number two receiver for the Chiefs or even better? No. I think he's a fine receiver. He's got great hands. I don't think we've seen enough, though. I, we haven't seen enough, but I feel like we will see him more and more when the moment's needed. As the trust level goes up for him, you're going to see him he's explosive. More, more. He is explosive, but and again, I think a lot of times they put all the onus on those punt returns. He's not a punt returner. No. And, and he feel at that. It's, it's, a, it's a discipline you got to be good at. And he's But the Chiefs figured out that with Kadarius Toney. they got to figure it out with Kadarius Toney. And Justin Watson, quote, catches it, but last week he couldn't catch anything. He can't catch a cold, actually. So that's your punt return. Do you really trust Justin Watson back there? That's the question. But the, the question is, do you go... You still going pass rusher for the Chiefs? Offensive line is something they're going to probably need, especially if Orlando Brown doesn't come back. You're going to need somebody at the tackle position. I think that's the biggest need for the Chiefs this upcoming draft is you need to draft a tackle. Because you know at least the reason why, because team control. Team control for a tackle, and you end up hitting on it, that's huge. That's like that's five years. You're going to have your left or right tackle for the remaining five years. And Patrick Mahomes' contract's over 10 years. So at least you know you have this guy for five years there, and hopefully it's the right one. But I still think tackle is a big need because it's anything could be a better upgrade than what we're seeing with Orlando Brown. Again, there's going to be certain positions. You can't say there's certain one position for the Chiefs. I do believe, and this is hard to say with the Chiefs having the number one offense still, even without Tyreek Hill, you always have to supplant Mahomes with weapons. I get to get the block for him too. But that, that's the catalyst of what makes this team good. What makes this team good is Patrick Mahomes still in the football and giving him viable wide receiving talent. But I also think that Mahomes is that quarterback that now that helps establish new wide receivers in this league that helps them to where like their talent right there, he's just helping them achieve their talented goals. It's not like we need to bring in some dude elsewhere to come in and fill a spot, kind of like what they did with Juju Smith-Schuster. They have the talent. It's just whether or not they want to use them. Because you get Sky Moore, huge. I mean, they traded for Kadarius Tony. He's going to be under contract now for what two or three more seasons yeah, left. Be, I mean, they, they have at least year. a core for wide receivers. Wise, it's just you don't need to go out there and get that splashy, the flashy type guy, unless it's like a an Antonio Brown caliber type player. Not actually Antonio Brown, but just the, the skill level that he could bring. They, I think they have it. Was I honestly think Sky Moore could have that talent right there. You think? I Sky Moore. Put him on the offense. Do not put him on special teams or anything like that. Let him focus on offense, and he has all the talent in the world. There's a reason why he he got drafted as high as he did. 
No, I'm with you. And he's what Mel Kuyper, one of his favorite players coming out of the draft. I will say this, though. I mocked Christian Watson almost every time and look at him. It's true. He's exactly what I think the Chiefs needed. And I was sneered about this, Kramer, on the mock drafts, putting Christian Watson, what, four of the five mocks I did as the first pick. I got a lot of, well, he played at North Dakota State. He had season. I was like, whoa, he's six foot four and runs a four, three, six. First of all, that size is what the Chiefs have been missing at wide receiver. And two, that blazing speed, because you're replacing blazing speed. He didn't have Tyree Kill speed. He's real close to McCole Hardman's speed at 4.36 compared to 4.33. And he's six foot four and explosive. I would take Christian Watson in a second. I think you would too, Kramer. Yes. But I was big time in on Christian Watson. But I just want to see more from Sky because eventually, and I, we keep saying every year, eventually you're going to have to replace Travis Kelsey, right? Even though he's not letting up. Seven straight seasons, now 1,000 yards, which coincides with the Chiefs' seven straight years division titles, by the way. They go hand-in-hand, hand, seven straight for Kelsey, seven straight for the Kansas City Chiefs. They just kind of go hand-in-hand hand together. But is Noah Gray that guy? We've seen more production out of Noah Gray this year. I had a burrito bet again with C-Dutt and Rob this year. Last year I said 15 catches, didn't quite get that. This year he's blown past it. But is Noah Gray the guy for Kelsey? You say, okay, we trust. I, I think he's a great complimentary piece. Well, I mean, it depends on how long you think Kelsey's going to play. Because I think Kelsey, he's not slowing down anytime soon. He's not. And this year was one of the years he said, okay, is he going to slow down without Tyreek Hill? He hasn't. Is he going to slow down with taking all the attention away? Because he is public enemy number one. Whoever's playing the Chiefs wants to stop Travis Kelsey. But it seems like every single game, the Chiefs have nine different receivers with a catch. Whether it is spread out between tight ends, running backs, or wide receivers. Everyone's getting used right now. So I don't even see why you would want to say draft another tight end if you see Noah's great production going. and He's a very good blocking tight end as well. So it's just like they have he's, they He's have. okay. I wouldn't say very good. I mean, uh, on the team-wise, he's, I mean, he's, I think he's better than Travis Kelsey blocking-wise, but that's that's just me from just me watching. I mean, they don't have like a Blake Bell out there that's healthy enough to, in order for him to help with a blocking Got tight end. Got him now, end. though. But that's true. That's true. Got the but, dozer. But still, they, I don't think they need a tight end. They do not need to draft a tight end in the first round, at least. Yeah. Here's the unbelievable thing about Kelsey Kramer, and I brought it up last week when I was talking about Kelsey being underrated because I do think he is. I think he gets credit for being a great tight end, but not the greatest. Like what you're witnessing is the greatest player at that position. Get this. Tony Gonzalez, Gronk, and Witten had four 1,000-yard years. Shannon Sharp had three. Travis Kelsey's got seven. One more, and he's doubled up those other Hall of Fame tight ends in 1,000-yard seasons. That's special. Name me another skill position on offense that has doubled up their, their nearest competitor. It doesn't happen. That's why you're seeing the best of all time. Well, Took him, what, 1,000 yards to, or uh, 10,000 yards, what, 29 games sh- fewer than Tony Gonzalez? Again, different quarterbacks, I get it. But the other, these other guys, man. Tony Gonzalez, yes, he played here in Kansas City. But you're tight end's best friend. Sometimes... You can't go off the tight end's numbers because of the quarterback because the quarterback often will use you as a dump-off. So your numbers can get even better than that. And then he had Matt Ryan, who ended up being a league MVP, but he had him in Atlanta. And Shannon Sharp was always with good quarterbacks, one named John Elway, pretty good guy there, and Gronk had Tom Brady. So other tight ends do have good quarterbacks, but they mean another skill position that is going to double their nearest competitor. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in any sport, baseball, football, you name it, what he's done. And I think we take it for granted, but he's just healthy and he plays all the time. 
and we're starting to see stats now that are just like comparing him to wide receivers. So you know he's like in a league of zone. Like that's literally what he is. He has more yards than anybody, including wide receivers. It's so wild. That is just wild. Consecutive games with the three plus catches. I mean, just the catch record for the Chiefs only DeAndre Hopkins in the NFL has a longer catch per game or a, a catch a game streak longer than Kelsey. But it's unbelievable. Unbelievable what he is. Coming up next, though, we have Dayton Hughes coming up at 8.30. But coming up next, Patrick Mahomes and the leadership really start to get some national notoriety next. Fesco in the morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967. The voice of Chiefs Kingdom, Mitch Holtis, joins the show every Friday at 7.30. Yes! On your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.